Welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. And I'm Steve Edelman, back from vacation when all hell broke loose. Steve's European vacation. Let me guess. Big Ben, Tower London, Big Ben, Tower London. Uh, old actually, joke there. Very old joke. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, we did not even drive around um, in Rome in circles. And any but, traffic circle at all. <laughs> there were many traffic circles. I was in Italy um, and it was wonderful. So, you know, there's a recommendation if you happen to find yourself with the opportunity to travel in Italy, go do it. Just don't do it now because it's super crowded and, by the way, kind of hot. Well, welcome back. I missed you. So, our, our in our last podcast, we were talking about, you know, all things end of the, the school year. Now we're going to talk about all the things that happened while Steve was on vacation. <laughs> which, which is really disconcerting how much happened. Lot, right. And and here are some things that aren't on your list. In the last uh, couple months, these big things, uh, there have been so many events that have been happening. I mean, just watching people go to Taylor Swift concerts has been huge crowds very successful ship same thing Both with inside and outside the venue the outside yeah. part is actually more interesting to me yep um the hajj is back to full capacity this year oh um, mecca and speaking of crowd management holy cow um we'll have to explain what the hajj is for you know people who are a little too anglo-centric <laughs> um it's it's an annual pilgrimage that uh observant muslims are supposed to do at least once in their lifetime and they travel to mecca and it's like a seven-day religious experience but thousands and thousands and thousands of people come from all over the world to this one event and this is the first year since covid hit that they've been back to full capacity um so again big giant groups of 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 people gathering uh even you know, if, if you're in the Southeast, the Banana Pudding Festival is back online this year. So we have the entire gamut. <laughs> but we want to talk about some stuff as usual. Many events are going off perfectly well, normal stuff. But there have been a few things that have happened that we're like, huh, look at that. <laughs> so um, I'm going to start with things on stage because that's been a theme. And I'm going to choose... Uh, the fan that brought their mother's ashes to a pink concert and put it on stage. And, and the artist was like, I don't know how to feel about this, but yes. Uh, so that's one thing, Steve, what are, what are some more? Um, we had two artists who have been hit by objects thrown from fans at the artist. Um, so we had um, baby Rexa at a nightclub in New York city um, and then just yesterday, we're recording this on what day of the week is today? Friday. 30th. Um, Kelsey Ballerini was hit by a fan's bracelet. Um, I did not realize that fans throwing stuff at the artist was a thing, but apparently it is. You know, I'm used to it, like the, the roses and underwear sort of idea, but this, right, is, this like is not Tom others. Jones territory yeah, other stuff um and i don't know if it's we're just noticing it or um if it's just another symptom of audiences behaving differently than they have in the past well and and to me that's the takeaway um so 
yeah, I mean, we can joke about Tom Jones fans throwing ladies undergarments, and that has been a thing for a very long time and became kind of a cultural touch point during his shows. As for fans throwing their cell phone, because as the perpetrator in New York City said, he thought it would be funny. Um, the artist did not. She was actually hurt and suffered some pretty bad facial, facial lacerations. Um, I didn't think that was a thing, certainly not throwing your own cell phone. You know, that's a dumb idea for a lot of different reasons. Um, and then throwing a bracelet? I don't get either of those. What, why are you doing that? It's just... So I don't really know what to do with these anecdotes. You know, they're just weird. They're inexplicable. And the whole idea of risk management, to bring this back to something that the Event Safety Alliance does talk about a lot, the whole idea of risk management is that you prioritize the reasonably foreseeable risks. And I don't know where, if at all, one would put the risk of somebody throwing their cell phone. So I, when I was in Italy, actually had a really interesting email exchange with somebody who has a company that provides a, a little jacket into which you put your cell phone for safekeeping during a show where cell phones are not permitted into the audience space at all. And you know, then I had some conversations with friends and they all mockingly said, oh, you know, you'll, you're never going to have shows where people can't bring their cell phones. And I thought to myself, let's pump the brakes on that bit of snark because there are going to be other reasons why I can foresee bans on people bringing their cell phone. And you know, for me, it turns into an intellectual property thing. I know that artists aren't making money selling records. What are records? Um, you know, they're they're selling live performance, and they potentially will make less money on their live performance if people can just, you know, do a video on their phone and then upload it to YouTube or some other, you know, source, and then people don't have to pay money to go to the show. So. I don't think, uh, I'm really hoping here, um, I don't think that throwing one's own cell phone is going to become a big phenomenon. I really hope not. And it doesn't None... solve the throwing problem in general. No. And so that's actually where I'm going next. I can see other compelling reasons that people will ultimately not be able to bring their cell phone into a venue, and there will be other means of paying for things, which obviously we want people to be able to do. But I will tell you, there are other things that can be projectiles, um, such as food, beverage, and merch, the things that you can buy. And yeah. I, I actually had a case where somebody swiped a giant bottle of vodka and threw it at an artist who got hit on the head. So the weirdness of throwing cell phones or bracelets, I think, is weird. And those are problems that can be solved. But the phenomenon of people being able to throw stuff, yeah, that's going to be a tough nut to crack. Yeah, you almost have to, it becomes a tension between needing to create more space between the artist and the audience, which is 
exactly the opposite in general of what the artist wants. Also, I, I don't know that I buy the intellectual property thing of the, you know, having seen so many clips and videos of Taylor Swift and Pink, those places are sold out, sold out, can't get a ticket, you know, and maybe at that level of the market, it doesn't matter. The fact that people are recording clips of it, you know, what I got out of all, any clip I've seen is, boy, it'd be a fun audience to be in. Well, and because right? and- the show is amazing. So I think it's the opposite, actually. It's like, no, no, I want to go. <laughs> so, Danielle, that's a very confident position. And I happen to agree with you. You know, I am of a certain age. I grew up listening to Grateful Dead bootlegs. And the dead <laughs> always let people record. There's actually a recording area. And still, you know, I saw Bob Weir recently, and he still allows people to record. It does you know, it gives you a taste of what you could have a whole meal of if you just buy a ticket. So, yes, for artists who will sell out or who are very confident that they could sell out because they're such magnetic performers, yeah, I think the intellectual property concern isn't a major one. That said, there are a lot of other artists out there, and they probably don't want people to circulate their live performance video and audio because they want people to buy that stuff. Yeah. And I actually think about a different type of event where you wouldn't want, um, you know, business meetings, product activations, political events, some of those things where they, the same, the rest of the pieces are the same. There, there are tickets, there are lines, there's merch, there's food, but they don't want that message out of their control. So I can see some sort of, one, they already exist, as you said, the person you were interacting with, where you basically, you get to keep your phone, but it's locked in a box with a code and uh, you get it at the, you get access to it at the end or when you leave the perimeter or whatever the, I've seen different ways that they do that. Um, It's an interesting, it's an, it's an interesting dilemma, the whole phone thing. But again, going back to the throwing thing, I, I think that is a puzzle that will continue to get uh, worked, especially if it becomes even more common. I hope not. Yeah, we're really hoping not. But to be honest, I feel powerless in that situation. I can't even think what to do about it other than hope it doesn't turn into a thing. Yeah. Yeah, because the solutions seem designed dependent. Like yeah, I mean, this, the, the solutions would... Away. Yeah, I mean, I think you identified the solution, Danielle. You know, separate the audience from the artist by the maximum throwing distance. You know, so imagine the, you know, the person with the best arm and anyway. make the audience farther away than that. There are zero artists who will go for that idea. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's, that sounds terrible. Yeah, or <laughs> don't sell any objects that could be thrown. No food, no beverage, no merch. What, are you gonna like have everybody change into jumpsuits when they come in and make sure nobody's wearing jewelry or shoes or, you know, I mean. Right, I mean, the bracelet thing with Kelsey Ballerini suggests how problem, how difficult a problem that that would be. Yeah, like like back when I was in my twenties and did a lot of uh, bus and truck rock and roll. I mean, we would find shoes on stage or people had flung them on there, you know, it's, I think it's 
it may be more common now, but I don't think it's a specifically a new, new problem. So to pivot, um, weather has been a problem <laughs> since you went on vacation. Um, there are currently fires in uh, the woods in Canada and the smoke from that has traveled down into uh, a great percentage of the US. Um, in fact, yesterday and today in South Carolina where I live, we are actually in um, a, a air quality advisory because of that smoke. Um, it's not as severe as some of the Northeastern uh, and Midwestern states, um, but we actually had a conversation yesterday about whether we were gonna have an event outside or inside because of the air quality in South Carolina because of fires in Canada. So that's one thing that's going on. And in fact, uh, in the last wave of this, they canceled many, many events, uh, including some in New York City inside because the smoke had come in through the ventilation system and it just was not safe to perform. So being in a venue is not necessarily a fix for some of these problems, um, but we've got outside weather going on too out, uh, out yes, so, so there was a fun incident um, at Red Rocks in Colorado. Beautiful venue. You should go there. Um, just don't go there during a hailstorm. So there was a Lewis Tomlinson concert um, about a week ago at, at Red Rocks. And well, it's Colorado. They have weather there. And there was a storm coming in and there were a series of announcements and you know, one can have a conversation about whether the announcements were timely or effective, and people will argue about that. And doubtless, we'll have more to say about it, too, just not now. Um, but one of the things that was noteworthy was the reluctance of people in the audience to heed the messaging that the organizers of the event were pushing out. And I'm going to rely on some fun text messages that our dear friend, Dr. Kevin Clazel, uh, sent me in Italy because, well, he loves this stuff and so do I. And so he sent me a series of three messages from social media. So I'll do them in, in chronological order. One of them, a woman named Danny, they will have to pry my dead body from these seats before I leave. That was Danny. Um, then someone named Bran wrote, us too, I'm staying seated. And then someone named Gracie wrote, it's literally fine, just a little rain. And that was moments before the skies opened with golf ball sized hail. And then Dr. Clazel sent me a bunch of images of people with bruising and cuts. And there was lots of video of people running through a hailstorm with torrential rain and lightning and other things for which people probably should have taken shelter a few minutes earlier. But yeah, they were kind of being funny about not leaving over their dead body which turned out to be an actual possibility because more than 100 people were hurt. And I guess Dr. Clazel and I have both done a presentation. Some of you podcast listeners may have seen it, either from me or from him or perhaps from both of us because we like to tag team on this one, um, 
we have done a presentation about similar crowd responses before a Backstreet Boys show in Thackerville, Oklahoma. And the crowd did not want to leave the line to enter the venue because it was a GA show. And apparently people love Backstreet Boys and did not want to leave at all. And then when there was a gust that blew over the um, the truss over the entrance where they were all queued up, um, 14 people got hurt and were hospitalized. And I think what I said to Dr. Clazel right after he sent me this series of text messages is we need to do a new version of our old Thackerville presentation because, well, the same thing seems to have happened in Colorado. And I guess for me, much of the conversation that we're having today in our podcast is weird stuff that happened while I was on vacation. But these are all parts of things that we've seen before. And to me, the issue is always, you know, after we stop gaping at the traffic jam and and the, you know, the crash, once we stop rubbernecking at the silliness of humanity, what can we do about this? You know, as professionals and, you know, grownups who are snarky, but actually do want to keep people safe. What is there to do if part of the human condition is to hear a severe weather warning and to say, oh, I'm not leaving, not over my dead body. What do you do? Danielle, solve this problem. Solve this problem. Okay, I'm on it. Well, it seems like part of, in both those situations, the the problem is, is some level of FOMO. You know, I'm going to miss out if I'm not, if, if I leave this seat, if I leave this place in line. And I know that a lot of, ticketing queuing things did people did try to address it after Thackerville you know trying to you know give people a number so that they could walk out of which is great because then they could do things like find a bathroom yeah what a concept <laughs> amazing things like that um New Year's Eve Times Square take a page out of this lesson yeah it's stuff like that I that's it's really hard because that that urge to not miss or not get less because of something out of your control is hard to push back on. Um, I do, uh, and I have no idea what was communicated. Um, Could they have said something like, we are expecting a lot of hail and lightning as soon? You know, could they have, could they have said that it's not the rain You know, I frequently, when people are like, oh, no, we're not going to do this outside because it's raining. It's like, frankly, I don't normally care if you get wet unless the temperature is about to drop. Wet is not inherently dangerous. (laughs) And that actually harkens back to the original event for which the Event Safety Alliance was formed. You know, the Indiana State Fair stage roof collapse of 2011. Sugarland stage manager, Sugarland never took the stage. Their stage manager... Their, their tour manager, rather, said, if it's just rain that you're telling us about, we play in rain all the time. If you're talking about some other kind of weather, tell us what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if, you know, and again, this is not 
this is this is me thinking through the problem it's probably going to get cut from the pod (laughs) but i mean does the messaging help convey the urgency more than a ladies and gentlemen or yes please seek shelter so i'm i'm going to bridge this subject talking about weather announcements to the next one which will be about the shooting at the gorge I gave an interview to a very nice person yesterday, and one of the issues that came up was about messaging. And she asked me, is there some quantity of information that should be conveyed to a crowd? And I said, my inclination is generally to give only as much information as you need in order to accomplish the thing that you want to do. So if your goal is to get people to move, if movement is the goal, then you tell them only enough so that they realize they must move. And Danielle, I think that you're right, that FOMO, fear of missing out, is an important thing that has to be overcome in these messages. You know, with Thackerville, we did have a lot of good fun with that. The issue in that crowd was they did not want to lose their place in line because they'd been waiting through a hot Oklahoma summer day for hours and hours. All they needed was to be given a ticket with a number, and then they wouldn't have had this FOMO And then when the weather announcement came, they would have likely had much less reluctance to leave the line. The same thing, I believe, applied at Red Rocks. If they had been told what would happen, sort of the sequence of likely events, in enough detail so that they didn't have that fear of missing out, I think they would have been likely to move sooner segueing to the gorge. So there was a shooting outside the, um, what was it, the Beyond Wonderland Festival in Washington State. Um, The shooting was actually in the the festival campground area, and two people were killed and three others were injured. The shooter was apprehended, and the festival was allowed to continue that day. Um, The second day of the festival was canceled. And the question that the that the reporter was asking me yesterday was, should messaging have been different? Should people have been told that there was a shooting, for example? And I said, no, because you have to start with what is the purpose of the information? In that case, they didn't want anyone to move. They wanted people to not panic. They wanted people to feel like they were safe enough to enjoy the show because the hazard, a shooter, was resolved. It was under control. So to me, the the issue raised by both the weather situation and the incident at the gorge involves what is your purpose? And f- once you've identified your purpose, how much information must you convey in order to achieve that purpose? Yeah, that resonates. <laughs> like, you know, people need enough information to understand, but not so much to get, you know, it's, it's not a lecture. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to Dr. Clazel again, he and I have had conversations about how 
not misleading, but lacking weather apps are. And so in the context of severe weather announcements, he and I've had this conversation where both of us prefer to give less weather-related information if you want to evacuate the crowd due to a coming weather incident. Because the more weather information you give, the more people are likely to look on their phone, do their own science, and then say, oh, my app doesn't say that there is a storm coming now, or doesn't say it's coming here. And so they second guess the announcement and stay put. And we don't want that. No. So, you know, better, in my view at least, to be declarative, brief, and focus on the thing that you want everyone to do, along with Danielle, you know, addressing what I think you correctly raised as a natural fear of missing out. So you have to address that. You know, don't worry, people. You know, the show will go on once it's safe to do so. But for right now, it's not. No one's going to take the stage. So let's all move to shelter. So there have been, um, I've noticed other festival, smaller festival events, um, going back to the shooting, having this similar things. Uh, there was um, one that happened in Juneteenth, and they did the same thing where they, after that, they canceled the, the next day. I can never tell with stuff like that if 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 it's because that one didn't seem to make the national news. That one was more regional. So I saw it, but not everybody else did. And I, I often wonder how many of these things happen. Like how big is this problem? It's a data problem, right? How 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 it's as you were saying before, is is finding the risk you need to pay the most attention to. Like obviously this is one we have to pay attention to. How common is it? And is it more common with these, with multiple day things, or is it more common with nightclubs or, you know, where, and I have not been, and I realize this is sort of a rabbit hole. Um, I've not been able to see enough of a pattern. It just seems to be many places, many things, and it's tragic. And, it, and you know, I, I want to be more focused on rigging inspections and, <laughs> and electrical cords. <laughs> well, that, that's the difference between production and operations. Right. Well, you know, I, I get to production, do both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my experience, production is a lot more black and white and mm -hmm. operations tends to live in shades of gray. Yeah. And operations has a lot more factors that are not in your direct control than production typically does. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Texas, um, <laughs> in the category of other things that happened while Steve was on vacation, um, Texas has been, and many parts of, of that part of the country have been experiencing some really extreme heat, like 118 degrees in the shade, which is just crazy. Um, well, they call that summer in Arizona. Yes. Uh, but uh, in Texas, they they have eliminated the rules requiring water breaks for construction workers. Um, and if you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to get some water, like right now. 
<laughs> and if you're responsible for other people, uh, water breaks are really, really important, whether or not they're required by law. Um, I would say that OSHA would have something to say with, about that, especially in extreme heat. So as we're all working more outside this time of year, please stay hydrated, find shade, uh, look up the difference between heat stroke and... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we're not going to take this too far into politics, but that seems like picking a fight for no reason that we can think of. Um, yeah, you know, water is not political. The human body needs it. And right. working outside is hazardous to your health. Right. And and this time of year, many of us are doing events outside in the heat. And it doesn't have to be 118 for heat to be something you need to address. Yeah. So. Regardless of what the rules are in, in different states, uh, this is your reminder to, to take care of yourself and your crew and your performers. <laughs> so I, I will segue to an observation that I made in Italy, um, because I mentioned already, Italy was hot and crowded. Um, certainly the cities were very hot and they were very crowded. And unless I had a fabulous time, so don't pity me. Um, but, and maybe this is a GCMA conversation for a different day, Global Crowd Management Alliance. Um, the attention to things like hydration, shade, um, shelter in general, queuing, information was dramatically different in Italy, in my observation, than uh, in North America. Uh, that is to say, and with all due respect to my Italian friends, not so much. Um, Super crowded line control was non-existent. Um, information, wow, there was none. People just standing around asking each other, oh, am I in the right line? You know, in a polyglot group of languages, you know, people looking at tickets in Italian that none of us understood. Boy, what a what a great opportunity for a helpful multilinguist person with a big lollipop sign saying, ask me. <laughs> that that would have been a bonanza in half a dozen places that I went to, you know, in the northern half of Italy. So my observation in that regard is it's a big world out there, and there is a lot that in North America, if you're listening to this in North America, podcast listeners, you know, be happy at the progress that we have made. And there is a lot of room for improvement in other parts of the world because standards that we kind of take for granted, not so much. Um, and I didn't expect it. You know, uh, these were not small communities. This was like Florence and Rome. And, you know, they're organized. They are ready for tourists. And, you know, they knew it was going to be a gigantic tourist season. And they were woefully unprepared to manage the crowds that were everywhere. So, yeah, you know, somebody selling water would have made a fortune because we're all queued up in the hot sun together. And, you know, somebody with maps or selling information, you know, one euro for a piece of directions, that would have gone well too. Lots of entrepreneurial opportunities, podcast listeners. So, you know, we can we can note that Texas has just passed a draconian law that we don't understand, and that is true. But 
the same inattention to basic human health and safety requirements exists in lots of different forms in lots of different places. So, you know, if the joking topic for this podcast has been, you know, crazy stuff that happened while Steve was on vacation, that certainly works. But I think the larger takeaway is these two weeks have certainly grabbed the headlines, but almost all of this stuff is part of a continuum. Yeah, and absolutely. We have talked about every single one of these things in some way, form, or fashion since we started this podcast and at summits and in uh, standards groups. Like none of this is new. It, it's uh, it's it's all normal is the wrong word um but we've seen something like it before you know history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes <laughs> so so danielle and, and, does that mean that we are not as effective as we think we are <laughs> as i said at the beginning more events go off very very well than don't you know and it's always important that we recognize things that we need to work on but also celebrate that you know as an industry, we have made great strides and we continue to work towards making it better. Um, you know, and and I, I think that's fantastic. A uh, couple plugs at this point. Uh, don't forget, friends, we have our uh, summit coming up in November. So go to our website, eventsafetyalliance.org and uh, register for it. It's going to be in Texas. So, um, but not in November. So it won't be 118 degrees, probably. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and we will have water and we'll information. Water. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll give you water. <laughs> <laughs> Free water event safety summit. Yay. Um, like a wall drug sign. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you want to email us, our email address is podcast at eventsafetyalliance.org. We'd love to hear from you. Go ahead and interact with us on social media. I'm um, going to go ahead and I'm going to spill a secret, breaking news. Jacob's not going to be happy with me, but we are planning on getting the merch store back up online uh, and members get a discount. So if you're not a member, this is a great time to go ahead and become a member, get a discount at the merch store when it comes back, you get a discount for coming to the summit. And we would love to, you know, see you sporting your ESA shirts, hats. Backpacks. I need some new ESA swag. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, welcome back. Uh, hopefully you. things continue to be uh, less interesting than they were while you were gone. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I'm thanks. too busy for this stuff. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe out there. My voice is still weird.